Well, this morning, if you would, I'm going to have you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, and we will be looking this morning at verses 5 through 9. The New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 5 through 9. And this is what we read. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Well, this morning I want to say three things before we actually get into the sermon outline this morning. The first is, the next two Sundays, the 14th and the 21st, are Palm Sunday and Easter. As many of you know, Easter falls about as late as it can this year, and it's a great opportunity for us to really focus, meditate, reflect upon all that is meant by the death and resurrection of Christ in a special way in this special season of time. And so we will take a break from the book of Ephesians for Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. And then we're going to come back to Ephesians on the 28th of April. And when we come back to Ephesians, we're actually going to spend quite a long time looking at spiritual warfare in the armor of God. I believe these are two incredibly important subjects that are vital to all of us in our Christian lives. So we're going to spend quite a long period of time once we get past Easter. Second thing I want to say to you this morning is we are looking at a passage whose context is embedded in the Roman Empire, where in the Roman Empire, almost all, not completely, but almost all of the workers in the Roman Empire were slaves. It is similar to, but not identical to, the slavery that we are familiar with in the history of our own country. But the slavery in the Roman Empire, that's what most workers were. There were some free men, but most were slaves owned by someone else. And what happens is the gospel penetrates the Roman Empire. And slaves get saved, and masters get saved. And so how are they supposed to relate to one another? That's the context here. Knowing that, though, almost any good Bible commentary that you read, and you can pick up almost any good commentary, and you will find that these principles that we're learning, these teachings that we're learning this morning, translate to the employee-employer relationship. The context is different, but the teaching and principles are the same. I don't have time this morning. We could spend a long time talking in length about the Roman slave system, but we're going to really focus this morning on what it means to be a Christian employee and a Christian 
employer, a Christian business owner. And just like with wives and husbands and just like with children and parents that we looked at last week, this is a key passage in all of the Bible on this subject. Any other passages of scripture that relate to this can really be fit into this passage as its foundation. Third thing I want to share with you, because this follows right from wives and husbands, children and parents, now employees and employers, the context of Ephesians 5 is absolutely critical. Just like with those other two passages, you cannot obey this passage unless you are seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Being filled with the Spirit is absolutely vital to obeying the commands in this passage. Also, we need to understand Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The whole biblical concept of authority and submission comes from, first, brothers and sisters in Christ being willing to submit to one another out of reverence in, to Christ. So mutual submission leads to proper authority and submission. And I'm hoping that as we move on, you will remember that. That a biblical understanding of mutual submission leads to a proper understanding of authority and submission. Well, let's get into the passage this morning. Our first point is Christian employees and employers. The first statement I'm going to make to you this morning is the most important, and if you remember nothing else, I want you to remember this. This is something I want you to take with you and remember, so I'm going to start right off with it. That is, it is God's design that Christian employees work as if Jesus Christ is the one supervising and evaluating their work. If you can remember that and practice that, it potentially can revolutionize the way you view and live out your job. It can. It is God's design that Christian employees work as if Jesus Christ is the one supervising and evaluating their work. This section actually breaks down very easily. It's two sentences. Verses 5 through 8 comprise one sentence. Verse 9 comprises the second sentence. So one sentence for employees and one sentence for employers. Verse 5 says this, Bond servants, employees, obey your earthly masters, your employer, with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Verse 5 is the most important statement in this text because everything else is basically a restatement of the same thing. It's Paul saying the same thing, but in a slightly different way for emphasis. So, employees, wherever you work, whatever your work may be, this is God's design, that you obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling here does not mean cowering in fear. It means honor and respect. Honor and respect. Obey your earthly masters with honor and respect, with a sincere heart, with a heart that is pure and desires to please God and to do the best job you possibly can. 
A sincere heart means that you have a pure heart or striving to have a pure heart that wants to please God and do the best job you can possibly do, as you would Christ. So obey your earthly masters as you would Christ. Obey your earthly masters as you would Christ. That's it. You are to work as, Jesus, as if Jesus Christ is your manager, your supervisor, your owner, the owner of your company, whomever it may be. You are to work with that kind of attitude. Verse 6 says, Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers. All of us understand what it means when we're in the office or in the factory and somebody says, the boss is coming. And everybody shapes up. Everybody starts working hard. Why? You know why? Because we are working for eye service. We're working as people pleasers. When we think the boss is coming, we stop taking that break we're not supposed to be taking. We give our very best when we think the boss is coming. If we're sitting at our cubicle looking at a website we're not supposed to be looking at during work hours, we quickly switch screens. And here's the thought. Your boss is always watching. He's always watching you. Because your boss is Jesus Christ. Your boss is Jesus. And if you have that kind of attitude that the boss is always there, if I could just use a human term, he's always looking over your shoulder. Okay, You don't have to look to see if the boss is coming because he's there. He's hovering over you. Work that way. You know why? Because you're a bondservant of Christ. You're an employee of Jesus Christ. You're not just an employee of that company. You're an employee of his. You're a bondservant of Christ, and you want to do God's will from the heart. It means the same thing as with a sincere heart. You want to work with all your heart. We use that phrase in human terms. Give it everything you got. Do it with all your heart. That's what it means here. Verse 7, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Same thing. Rendering your work with your best effort, with a good will, because you're working for the Lord. You're not really working for that man or that woman. You're working for the Lord. Verse 8 says, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Knowing whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, it says this, God honors those who honor him. That's a good principle for all of life. God honors those who honor him. God knows what your work is like. He will honor you for your work. In his way, in his time, he will make sure that you are honored for your work. This is how we think. This company doesn't appreciate how hard I work. They don't appreciate all the little things that I do. 
And maybe they don't, but God does. God always appreciates how hard you work. And God appreciates all the little things that you do. And God appreciates that extra time that you put in that no one else sees. He appreciates it and he will honor you. So keep doing it. Keep doing it. Because you're working for the Lord and not for men. One of my favorite verses on this subject, and I memorized it years ago from the New International Version 1984, which this church used for many, many years. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. That's a great verse. That's the kind of verse you put on your cubicle. That's the kind of verse you put up at your factory. If you're a salesperson, that's the kind of verse you carry with you everywhere you go, when you're alone in that hotel room, when you're out on the road, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, as Paul writes to Titus, he says, this is what I want you to teach your congregation. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Okay, you workers who've now become Christians, here's how I want you to approach your job. I want you to be subject to your masters in everything. Try to please them. Not, don't talk back to them. Don't steal from them. And show your employer that you can be fully trusted. Why? Why? Very important reason. So that in every way, you will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. You know why you do it? Do you know why you do these things? For the sake of your testimony for Christ. You do it because you want to have a good testimony for Christ so that when you talk about Christ, people are attracted to what you say because of the way you live. People are attracted to what you say because of the way you live. 1 Peter 2.18 Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. I preached through First and Second Peter first a few years ago. Powerful verse. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. And there's this really hard portion. It's hard. Not only to the good, but not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So you can't say you don't know my workplace. You don't know how bad it is where I work. Not only to the good and gentle, but also, but also to the unjust. Let me make two statements before we move on to employers. If you feel that your workplace is so bad that you can't obey these commands, you need to find another place to work because this is your Christian obligation and responsibility. 
So if you think, and I don't know where you work, and it may be bad, it may be tough, it may be hard, but if you feel it's so bad you can't carry out these commandments, you need to find another place to work. Second, whatever authority God has given to your employer, it is not absolute authority. There are limitations. God never asks you to do anything illegal, immoral, or unethical. Now, don't use that as a cop-out just because you disagree with your boss. But if you factually can prove that they are asking you to do something illegal or immoral or unethical, you need to deal with that with them or leave where you're working. Because God does not ask you to obey these principles if they're asking you to do something like that. Well, let's move to employers, to the supervisor, to the manager, to the business owner. It is God's design that Christian employers treat their employees with Christ-like kindness and care. That is God's design. Verse 9 says this, Masters, do the same to them. That's a great phrase. It means do everything in verses 5 through 8. Masters, do what I just told them to do. Work as if you're working for Christ. See yourself as a bondservant of Christ. Do the will of God from the heart. Know that God honors those who honor him. That whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord. Know that. Know all those things I just said to the bondservants. Masters, do the same to them. And then in the last part of the verse, it says, Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Stop your threatening. It literally means to loosen up. It means loosen up. Don't be abusive. Don't be overbearing. Don't make a power play because of your position. But you treat them with care and with kindness. Yes, you want a good quality product. You want to be able to sell it at a fair price. You want to provide good service. But there is a right way to do it. So, employers, stop threatening. Here's why. First reason. You know that both their master and yours is in heaven. You know God's always watching you and how you run your business, how you supervise, how you manage, how you own and care for your business. God's watching it all. Your master's in heaven and he is watching you. That's not just some platitude that we teach our children. Don't forget, God's always there. He's always watching. No, he is. He literally is. He biblically is always watching. There's a second reason you're to stop threatening. That is, remember, there is no partiality with God. Let every supervisor, let every manager, let every owner know. In God's eyes, you are equal with your lowest employee. You are no better in God's eyes than your lowest employee who may work for you. So, employers, you not only work for Christ, you are a representative of Christ. 
You are truly an ambassador for Christ before your employees. Well, our second point this morning is your work and your testimony. The quality of your work and your attitude toward your work are critical to your testimony for Christ. That is clearly taught in this passage. And I just really want to impress that upon all of us. I know there are some here that may work for a Christian business or place with mostly Christian employees. But for most of you, for the vast majority of you, your workplace is one of the most important mission fields you will ever be given by God on this earth. Your workplace is one of the most important mission fields that you will ever be given by God on this earth. You will interact with more unchurched people at your workplace more often than almost any other place in your earthly life. So know this. Sloppy, lazy, poor quality work can severely damage your testimony for Christ. Griping, complaining, and a critical spirit can severely damage your testimony for Christ. You can say, praise the Lord all you want at your work. You can say all you want that you need Jesus. But if your work is sloppy, if you are lazy, if you are a complainer and a criticizer, whatever you say about Jesus is going to fall on deaf ears. It just is. You want to be a good witness at work? Show it by your attitude toward your work and the quality of work that you do. Folks, here's the bottom line. As Christians, we ought to be the best employees on the face of the earth. Period. Period. Well, everyone else is in the lunchroom or out after work and they're criticizing and complaining and running down the company, you be different. You be different. And then I want to share some closing thoughts on the importance of Christians obeying the commands of Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. I just want to share some closing thoughts before we take the Lord's Supper together. First, Christian employees and employers should be able to worship together on Sunday and then assume their God-given roles on Monday. That's how it's supposed to work. That's the beauty of this, that you can have a business owner, a manager, a supervisor standing side by side with their employee in the same chairs or pews on Sunday, they are equal. They are brother and brother in Christ, sister and sister in Christ, brother and sister in Christ. And then on Monday, one's in authority and one's in submission. Or this is a possible scenario. You have a manager who worships side by side with his employee. But his employee in the church is an elder or a deacon. So in the church, he's in submission. On Monday, he's in authority. You see that? Should be no problem. If we're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, 
If we are striving to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no problem with being in one role or another. But what a beautiful thing that we can come together and worship together. I know out in the secular world, sometimes managers and supervisors will say, you know, I can't socialize with my employees because they may not respect me if I start socializing with them too much. That's not true for the Christian. It's not true for the Christian. You are brother and brother, brother and sister, sister and sister. You worship together. You serve together. Second thought. One of God's greatest tests for you in this passage, one of God's greatest tests for you will come when you are passed over for a raise or a promotion. Do you still obey Ephesians 6, 5 through 9? Some of you know this. Before I went into ministry, I was in the secular workforce for 10 plus years and then went into ministry. I was a staff worker. I became a supervisor, and for a couple of years, I was a department manager. I say that not in any way boastfully, but simply to say this. I saw people do some foolish things where I used to work. And it came mostly when they got passed over for a raise or for a promotion. Now I'll show them. I'm not going to do those little things anymore. I'm not going to work hard for them anymore. They're just going to pass me over. I remember one situation. A co-worker of mine whom I admired greatly. She thought she was a shoe-in for an open position. She didn't get it. It was a promotion, a nice promotion. She didn't get it. And she quit that day. She quit the company. She had been there like 30-some years. And just quit. It was a foolish, foolish decision on her part. Let that not be said among us as the people of God. You will be tested. When things don't go well where you work, you will be tested as to whether you really believe this passage or not. Final thought before we go to communion. This is a special thought. I read this this week and I really liked what was said. This is especially for our young men and women. If you're in your late teens or in your 20s, this is especially for you. If you are not working with excellence at your secular job, don't even consider full-time vocational Christian ministry. Maybe some of you are thinking about the possibility of being a missionary or being a pastor or some other kind of Christian worker. If you're not giving your best for your master right where you're working in your secular job, don't even think about full-time ministry. Don't even think about it. Because right now, wherever you work, I don't care whether you work at a factory or you work at Burger King or wherever you work, if you are not giving your best as if Jesus is the one who is your supervisor, then don't even think about being a pastor or missionary or some other Christian worker. First, you deal with that. First, you deal with that. You deal with right where you are at, and then you can begin to pray about possible ministry. This is a good passage for communion. We have been changed by the gospel. We are different. So how are you relating to the people that you work with five or six days a week?
What's your relationship like with your co-workers as we share the Lord's Supper together?